Hello, and welcome to the Not Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lavibri. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week, we watched Resident Evil. Yes, and what's the other one called? Welcome to, oh, welcome Raccoon, to Raccoon City. City. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of Resident Evil movies. We decided yes. to go with one that we feel like was a huge cinematic staple. Also, the world's Absolutely. introduction to Slipknot. Um, <laughs> we went with the 2002 Mila Jovovich. The first one. The first one. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? What is the director's name? Uh, Anderson. Something Anderson. And I keep thinking, no, not Anderson. <laughs> because in my head, I'm like, wait, Paul Thomas Anderson directed <laughs> Resident Evil. And that's not true. Here we go. It is directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul W.S. Anderson. Okay. Who is Mila Djokovic's husband. husband. And they have three daughters together. They met yeah. on filming this, I think. Yes, they did. I think that's where they met. Yeah. So, so we watched that movie and then the 2021 um, sort of true to game reboot, uh, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. So what is your history with these movies? And also, do you have any experience with the video games? with the? I- so I've played the video. Ge- well, is that true? I think I've played the games. I definitely have played four. Uh, I've I remember s- that one. Because that yeah. was Village, right? That's the one that was on the Wii. I think. Yeah, that's like, the one that I was on the see, Wii. With and see, Leon, is, and you have to save the president's daughter. And you, yeah, I remember that say, one. You could say anything, and I would probably agree. <laughs> like, see, because you even saying that makes me distrust myself in the statement that I just said. Like, as soon as you started saying characters and plots, I'm like, wait, hold on. Did I actually play this game? So that's as much... <laughs> As I've played the video games, I love the idea of it. I like scary stuff, um, zombies, cool, cool, cool. But my history with the, I mean, I guess my history with Resident Evil itself is entirely the DVD of the 2002 movie. I've yes. watched it a million times. It literally is where my crush on Michelle Rodriguez started. It is literally where I heard of Slipknot. My Plague was a music video on the bonus features of this DVD. <laughs> I used to watch the My Plague music video so many times. And that's really what I was like, oh, do I like Slipknot? This is cool. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's really it. I think I've seen several of the other ones i definitely saw the one right after this and i may have seen extinction but i think that's it i haven't really kept up with it and then now there's a new uh netflix series coming out which we just literally heard about like a couple days ago yeah it like literally they just dropped the trailer and i was like oh my god this is gonna be so sick (laughs) i know it actually looks really cool i'm excited for it yeah um Uh, it doesn't look camp in the way that both of these films no, are. No, I know. And that's the thing is like, this is like silly, cut them up zombie shit. I don't know. But anyways, that's my whole history. What is your history with Resident Evil as a whole? Also, Mila Jovovich, just in general, obsessed with her. She's literally so hot and cool and talented and like has changed the game for cinema. Anyways, continue. I mean, 100%. 100%. I... I think we talked about this with uh, Catwoman and with like, you know, just off pod where like I definitely struggled as a young girl, like where I'm like, oh, I want to be her. But then like now, like as an adult, I'm like, is it that I wanted to be her or I want to be with her? And this is definitely one of those movies because 
that iconic red dress with the combat boots is everything literally it's fucking everything. It's, everything it's so good and yeah. um and she's so cool and uh so yeah that, i think that's where my crush on her started so yeah i watched this movie um i wasn't a kid at that time i was like i want to say i was in my like 18 to like 20 something like i was mm-hmm. like somewhere in there right so like a few years after the movie came out but it's because i remember I never had Resident Evil growing up as like, you know, a video game. My friends did. And of course, I was very terrified of everything because hello, um, (laughs) have you met me? But um, so I remember people, I remember watching my friends play it because I used to go over to their house and like play their systems with them all the time. And I was just like terrified. And I was like, oh my God, I can't. But then the first time I remember watching it was like, this is so cool. This is incredible. Um, but like I, I knew about the look and everything because like, I mean, it was just so iconic and it was everywhere. Right. Yeah. And I remember like seeing like the cover and like being like, I really wish that this wasn't horror so I could watch this or like, I, I just like really would like gravitated towards it. Yeah. Um, so I had watched the movie a couple of times since then. Really loved it. A hundred percent. And then I saw that this new one came out last year and I was like, oh, we have to do this, but it wasn't streaming. So we didn't do it until now. Um, And it got backlogged because we had to do Scream and everything first. But yeah, (laughs) um, so here we are doing this. But it's really the reason that I pitched this is because I wanted to talk about the first Resident Evil film because it will always hold a special place in my heart. And I'm so happy that we're talking about it. I know, me too. It's such a fun little, I mean, talk about nostalgia. It is great when we actually stumble upon something that does feel nostalgic for both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we do kind of hold that special place whether or not we like feel the same way moving forward it's still fun because it is like oh yeah I remember I've I, like I watched <laughs> the shit out of this I've watched this so many times yeah like how fun and I have started to go and watch the other movies in this series because they're all available on Peacock so now I'm on I, th- I just finished three and now I'm on four so I'm fucking in it. I'm like here it. for it. And I realized that I thought that I hadn't seen three, but I had seen three. It's just very forgettable. But that's okay. What was three? <laughs> three is the one where the T-virus got out to the entire world. Everybody is basically dead. The whole world is a desert. And like, oh, so it's like the book Alaska. of Eli? They have to go to Alaska <laughs> because that's the only safe space. And um, yeah, it's not okay. good yeah it sounds but it is enter- it is it's a movie it's fun um do you want to hop into this first one shall we let's do it Underneath Raccoon City, the Umbrella Corporation hides a secret genetic research facility called The Hive, where they are researching ways to reanimate dead tissue through the T-virus. One day, someone releases the T-virus, causing the facility's AI control system, aka the Red Queen, to seal the hive and kill everyone inside to prevent a global outbreak. Meanwhile, a young woman named Alice suffering amnesia abruptly wakes up in the shower and tries to find clues as to who she is. Suddenly, she's attacked by an Umbrella Commando unit and taken to the hive with another captive named Matt. Along the way, they find a man named Spence, and it's revealed that he and Alice are actually the head of security for the hive, which they can't remember due to nerve gas exposure. The group is then briefed on their real mission, enter the hive and disable the Red Queen. 
The group eventually makes it to the Red Queen's chamber, losing four members to her laser defense system in the process. The Red Queen begs them not to restart her and explains the logic behind her actions, but they turn her off anyway, subsequently unleashing a horde of zombies upon themselves. In the process of battling their way out of the hive, a few more party members are bitten. Matt owns up to placing his sister in the hive to try to take down an umbrella. Alice remembers she was working with Matt's sister to expose the corporation, and Spence reveals he was the one that let the virus loose for some quick cash more fighting ensues and more team members are lost but eventually matt and alice make it out alive unfortunately umbrella is waiting for them sometime later alice wakes up alone in a medical facility only to find out the t-virus escaped the hive after all apocalypse cataclysm um i do feel like if we're gonna start i want to start like just since we just said it her waking up in the hospital right at the very end um, it really did feel like they were like, can you do Lilu again from Fifth Element real quick? Like, <laughs> you're going to wake up, you're going to be uh, barely covered, like we are going to get some like soft, sexy nudity. You're going to be like experiment, like, oh, pulling tubes out of your head and like, like a whole new world, everything's different. Like, just do that again. That's what it felt like. Because also it- this movie is like, what, four, five years post Fifth Element? Yeah, Um, she is fully nude in that scene. Like, you can tell that she has nothing under there. You can see everything. Um, And, like, in the shower, too. And it's so funny. Um, Danny, (laughs) I am outing you, Danny. I'm sorry. I love you. And if you don't want the world to know this, you can cut this out. But I told Danny that I would watch it for the pod. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know my theory uh, when I was in high school about this movie and I was like what was your theory and he's like she wasn't wearing panties the whole time and I was like Danny she literally yep. has shorts on under that dress and he's like no she doesn't and I was like yes she absolutely does and so we went back and forth about it and he just hadn't seen the movie in a long time oh, so okay. I pulled it up and he was just like oh well you know like 16 year old 15 year old Danny you know I mean but <laughs> in that last scene She's definitely not you, yeah. wearing anything. And here's my thing. I base level all the time always. I love nudity. I love when people are confident and want to show their bodies. I think people showing their bodies is awesome. Like, no matter what, I love it. Especially, like, I mean, oh, God. It just, to me, like, no matter how you look, no matter what kind of body you have, that kind of, like, confidence in oneself to show off, I think is the hottest thing. Like, yes, I'm so yeah. into it. And so whenever she does, because like she's very comfortable being nude. So whenever I see her in something, I'm just like, you're so hot. Like, good for you. Like, that's so (laughs) sick. Especially in something like this where it's like, it's very clear that she's very nude. And you're like, good on you. She's so cool. I love Mila Jovovich so much. But yeah, that's my take on uh, cinematic nudity. I think nudity heightens most things because it is a truth that we all share right like we are all people with bodies <laughs> like we all have different kinds of bodies too like i don't know i just like i people love who nudity, nudity when it's not just like i don't know it depends because like a lot of the time like nudity in film is centered around the male gaze right yeah. 
And so that's when it does get a little bit icky for me. Um, Same. But like when it's like presented in these ways where it's not just through that lens, right? Like because it is like you're right. It is such a power to like when somebody is just like standing there and like owning their nudity and like not phased by it at all. I think that's one of the things about Westworld that I thought was like so cool and interesting is you have all of these like. Uh, all of these actors that you know of all different shapes and sizes and everything that are just like you know they're full ass naked men and women right and like i was like this is so cool i love it i literally i like when people like because again it's and i mean flexia but like that thing where somebody had like blackmailed her they're like we have your nudes like give us money or else we'll post these same day she posted nudes on her own twitter and was like hey everybody here's what i look like naked somebody's blackmailing me they say they have nudes they hold no power over me we all have bodies here's mine and you're like queen obviously like i hate the circumstance of having to like do Mm -hmm. that but like just having ownership of your body in a way that is like confident and loving and i know that's it's such an easy thing with like body dysmorphia and 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 Everything, I know it's like a bigger conversation, but in general, I love it. I'm so into it. I love when people have that, that like the confidence of their own bodily autonomy and like they choose to like own it in a way that like, yeah, it's a matter how I look, look at it. It looks amazing and look how great I am in it. Like gorgeous. You're like, yeah, you're so cool. Okay. So Resident Evil. And that's how we start with her too. Like, does she know anything about herself? No, but she's like. She's so cool, like, right off the get-go. Like, first of all, I I also want to say that I love how this starts, where it's just like, well, just go into the office. Everybody's doing their own thing, right? And, like, I love the concept of this being, like, a facility deep underground where, like, the, you know, views that they have and the sounds are all fake and manufactured and that's where they live and they sleep. And I, I love this idea because, like, Umbrella, like, this is something that I think horror does really well and was doing before a lot of other genres or any, like, you know, and also sci-fi was doing this too. Like, and there's a lot of crossover between horror and sci-fi. And this is one of those things where it's like big corporation owns everything, owns you, does not have your best interest in mind, right? Like where they have this image of like making life so much better, you know, and being such an integral part of your life where they're literally out to kill you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can replace Umbrella with, like, literally insert, you know, any big corporation yeah. in there, which, I again, I, I really like that. And so well, I think that this that- commentary works so much better. Like, the older I get and the more I understand capitalism and how it works and, you know, I see the actions of these big corporations, the more I'm like, yes. Yeah. And I mean, also, especially being in the age of Amazon, like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like there has been no company like Amazon in the past to its success and the detriment of the well-being of everyone's lives. And it's so clear that like the Umbrella Corporation, especially in its idea of like conglomerate everything, it owns everything. It owns all subsidiaries of all different types of capitalist income. Like Mm -hmm. we're doing pills, we're doing food, we're doing clothes, we're doing everything and we own it. That's us. We do it. We're the ones. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's just Amazon. Like, even the bullets that she shoots, like, are umbrella umbrella branded. And Mm -hmm. I love that, like, little detail. I'm just like, this is great. I love this. And 
I also love that the systems that like they put in place to like check themselves are just so easily removed too, right? Because that's exactly how it would happen, you know, or is happening and has been happening, right? Oh no, she just went on a rampage and started murdering everybody. Where if they let the Red Queen just like contain the hive and that was done, right? Then the whole world in this universe would not have been um, desecrated, right? And and it's all their fault. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think this whole opening sequence is great because it is so scary. Like, not only are they so far underground, but, like, they're locked. They're trapped. They're killed, systematically destroyed because of a possible global catastrophic, globally globally catastrophic outbreak. Ooh, Mm -hmm. fuck. I got it on the third try. Um, (laughs) This also instilled in me a fear of elevators because this... With a one-two punch of Final Destination 2 the year after, really set in motion my fear of getting my head chopped off in an elevator. I um, did look away because that it is happens too much. both in both movies. It's very clear. Oh no, we're stuck. Like open it, let me get out. And then like the down and then the down fake out and then the up and like chop off. Mm-mm. Ooh, so ter- terrifying. And <laughs> what a cool opening sequence. Also, the fact that it's like uh, that the T-virus is so like adaptable, right? So it starts off airborne and then it can be liquid. It can be transferred through blood and everything like one bite, one scratch, you know, like that. That's what gets you. And I really like um, the way that they describe the zombies is, um, you know, they have no memory, no intelligence. All they are existing for is to like consume. And it's not because like they need to but it's just because like that's what they are and that's that's all that they are now um like it doesn't actually sustain them they just you know see something and they need to devour it and i think that that's also like i mean that's not a new commentary right that's like you know that is zombies but i also like that in this iteration of zombies it is very apparent that this condition is manufactured by umbrella right by amazon by insert i actually in the uh, episode description i almost like put amazon instead of umbrella (laughs) yeah because i thought that that would be fun but i like that because like the company itself like doesn't give a shit about like what happened last year or you know like or what it's actually doing to anybody all it all it wants to do is just grow and grow and grow not not because not with any anything in mind they just need more money for shareholders or you know like we're gonna go to the moon why because we have money you know like just because and that level of consumerism on both like an individual and a corporation level is what literally like drains the world and destroys all of its resources yeah and I, I do like just going back to like the commentary on zombies in general and like zombies a trope right it's that sort of like it is the undead but it's also like it's the fear <laughs> i feel like most of it stems from the fear of others who lack cognizance or the capacity to recognize their surroundings the only thing that they need is the capacity to take to kill and to consume like that's that's the zombie way there's no consideration mm-hmm. they don't really even exist they're just vessels for this other thing they are whatever they need to be and the thing that they need to be is the, the thing that they need to do is survive so it's that the fear of like a being who completely lacks all empathy all sympathy all cognizance a shell of a person with all the capabilities of an animal like oh just a wild animal it's like a fun idea and it's a fun concept Zombies are very scary. 
and I like zombie stuff. I feel like I've always sort of been a zombie fan. Now, one of my big things with this movie is, and I still hate it, zombie dogs kill people. Like, that's fine. And they do it in the other one, too. And that's a huge part of Resident Evil. I understand that, like, the Doberman zombie pup is, like, a staple for this series. But it's just so sad. I hate it. I hate, like, the idea of, like, dead animals just really fucks me up i'm like yeah kill people people who needs them but dogs did nothing wrong and how dare you cats yeah leave them out of this leave, go away uh, birds like I, and also it's it's a very specific animal that they're showing right it is a doberman like you're saying and it is a crow like those are the the two animals that like are are you know out of the entire animal kingdom that those are the only two that we ever see it like I'm guys I just finished movie three and that's basically the only animals that I've seen so um, <laughs> but yeah like I I think it's really fucked up <laughs> it's, it's fucked yeah up. it's just and I get it for the for the fear element um and I also understand that like just from I mean again it's part of the game and I get that like a dog or an animal or a wolf even like admirable foe like oh how are they going to get past this like ferocious animal mm-hmm. especially an undead one but in anything whenever there's a a dead animal of any kind i'm always just like oh, stop like you don't have to do that <laughs> but uh, i still feel the same way now dobermans are fucking cool they always will be they look so scary and cool and well whatever that wasn't on our podcast but we did talk about dobermans in a, on another podcast from death becomes her Yes, we did. Because they were just like the cool, like kind of scary, like guard dogs who are also like, are they otherworldly? Who knows? They're just very I interesting mean, dogs. Spoiler alert: We are going to be on another podcast eventually talking about Death Becomes Her and Josie and the Pussycats. So yes. uh, look out for that in uh, late July, August. But some anyways. at some point, yeah, you'll we'll we'll be promoting it. Um, but I want to talk about. Alice's cognizance. Yeah. Just her growth in this where it's like she's hit with the gas. She doesn't remember anything. She's simply a person who has short term memory loss, is not aware of what's going on, who she is, why she's here. But as she's confronted with each one of these foes, we start to see her recognize her own ability instinctually. We're like the first time we see it, it's with the dogs. Wait, no, no. It's with, I think it's before well, the dogs. It's like the same scene. There's the zombie guy who she kicks into the shelf and then he comes back alive and she like jumps on him and like. Oh, I neck, would argue and then the dog comes down. that it's before that. <gasps> Where? Like we, we see her like fighting strength. I think that's when we see her fighting strength. But I think before that we start to get like a grounds for her morality even before that. Because oh, as she yes. starts to kind of like question things and she's. She's not just like, as these people are like, oh, yeah, you're this or, oh, yeah, this is your relationship. And uh, like she is actively like reassessing and processing all the information around her and seeing how people treat each other and seeing kind of like what happens. So like I think like the first time that we really see her make a decision is when they're in the Red Queen's chamber and like the uh, the four guys just like got sliced and diced by that sick ass laser system. Right. Which like I don't understand why the Red Queen didn't just turn it on again. But I mean, I have so many moments like that in this movie, but I will forgive all of them because I love this movie, but I will point them out for the sake of the podcast. Um, But like 
the one soldier that's left is like, oh, I, I still have to do this, even though I'm probably going to die. And uh, Matt is in the room, too. And like everybody's kind of looking around. They're like, I'm not going. I'm not going. He's like, well, I'm going to go by myself. And she makes the active choice. Like, I'm not going to let him do this by himself. Like when she I'm walks in behind him and scares him. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, hey, and she's like, yeah, let's go. Like, you're not going alone. I've got you. This is a yes. shitty situation. We're going to make the best of it. We're going to get and through this. And that's her character through and through, even in like, you know, in this movie, she doesn't want anybody to die or to leave, especially if they don't deserve it. Right. But she's also like fearless. Like, so I think we get both of those things in this where she's yeah. like dependable. She's there for people. She cares about people, even if she doesn't know them. She just has this like nature. But she also is fucking fearless because she just saw like the the guy that's in charge literally get diced into like it it was that scene is so good that (laughs) scene was so scary as a kid um it's so it's literally so seared into my brain of them like panicking backing up and then they duck and the the last um soldier is too slow and then you watch as like the red line shows up on her neck yes and it like pan- it like kind of like shifts around her, and then her head just slides off. And then it comes again, and like the guy, it's like, oh, it's on the ground now. Jump, and it like jumps with him and cuts him in half. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my that god, that was terrifying. That's so scary. Ugh, and then the so like scary. the the crisscross, just like, oh well, you're fucked. There's literally nothing you can do at this point. Yeah. Oh my god. Fuck. <laughs> the way he has like eye, the eye color like starts dripping out of his eye so scary and bad and i remember just being like this is <laughs> fucked this is crazy this movie is so insane um yeah that whole like apart from the generalized killing of like all the employees you don't really see how like severe shit is until that scene where you're like oh no it's just like we are maiming bodies we are decimating mm-hmm. these characters in the most grotesque ways possible and you're like well, okay, here's this movie. Fuck. This is going to be really gross. <laughs> All right, 2002, give it to me. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut. So, so yeah, like, the first time we really start to see her, like, physical abilities, right, is is that scene that you were mentioning with the dog and with um, the That other guy. zombie, yeah. Because yeah. she does, like, the jump. I think she... Is it the scene where she jumps and, like, pulls herself up, legs wrapped around his neck, and, like like twist just like breaks his neck with her thighs it's so hot it's so hot it's so fucking cool because then even in that same sequence like she's trying to get away from the dogs and she gets the the because he was a guard or, or somebody who worked there but he had a gun so once the zombie's dead she takes his gun goes out realizes there's like 10 dogs shoots like all of them which are like okay she's down to bullets realizes there's one last dog is chased into the corner. As she runs into the corner, she does like a kick off one wall, kick off another one, turn, spin in the air, and just mm-hmm. like kick to the head to break his neck and like lands. And you're like, it's just, it's so cool because it, it is somebody who is like, you're watching her get this momentum back. You're watching her come into the confidence and the power that she has um, after being like, because we're introduced to her. She's like a helpless hottie. She's yeah. she's literally like this damsel in a red dress. Like she she's in the shower. She's like, wait, no, I have to cover up. Like they're coming, uh, whatever. And that so we're seeing the lovely trope her, that we the see. The lovely right? trope. And so we're getting to watch her literally. Like, I know how to do this. And then it's like, oh, for sure. Like 
I was the one who was going to destroy this place. It was me. Fuck yeah. Like, oh, I know how to use a gun. Bang, 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 bang. Hit every target every time. Like, it's just great because it's just, it's one of those, I I just, it's really affirming because it is one of those things where like, oh, of course I can do this. Yeah. Why Why did I doubt myself? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm so good at this. And seeing her hit every one of those checkpoints, so much fun. It is, yeah, it is a really cool journey to go from being the damsel in the shower, right? Like, and instead of, like, her getting killed there or something awful happening, like, we just kind of, like, see her start to, you know, remember who she is, whether it's, like, you know, some of it is, like, some of her instincts, some of it is, like, her deductive reasoning, you know, but, like, we're seeing this growth in her, which is really, really cool, you know, and... (laughs) It's one of my favorite things about this movie. Like, it is. 100%. I mean, same. And I was going to say, like, I know she slips in the shower, but I did want to also point out, like, there is no bath mat. There is nothing around. That is the slipperiest bathroom I've ever seen. It is marble tile everywhere. I'm like, if she didn't slip in the shower, babe, she's going to slip on her way out. She's going to slip on her way to go to the bathroom. She's going to slip <laughs> every single point. Like, there's not even a bath mat on the ground. Like I know that we're rich, right? We're rich in this like lavish, rich house. We have money. Um, safety first. Jesus Christ. Safety first. Like that is such a dangerous thing. Like if you slip and you hit that beautiful little head on that thing, concussion A, B bleed out. Like you're struggling <laughs> and you're so far from stuff. Like you're rich. You do not want to be by poor people. So you are away from Seriously. society. You're going to die there. They will not get to you fast <laughs> enough, no matter how much money you have. Ugh, well, and God. I think get a bath mat. I don't get think a bath she's... mat. <laughs> I think that she slipped in the shower because she fell unconscious from the nerve gas. No, but she did. But what I'm saying is like, but like also had, yes, if that, if that had yes. even happened, I'm like she's slipping on the way out. She like fuck this whole story. Nerve gas didn't release. She's in the shower. Ooh, let me dry off. Let me reach for a towel. I'm going to step out onto the tile with my wet, wet toe. (laughs) There's nothing to catch the wetness except for your absolutely slippery foot skin. And that is not going to save you. You're going to fall. Sweetheart, you can't do that. And you are too, like, (sighs) those bones are going to snap. I know that you're, like, strong and probably have, like, spidey senses or whatever. Like, she is cool. And if she didn't have the gas, she would be, like, Obviously, like her most powerful off the bat and would have probably survived. But even still, like get a bath mat. They're like 20 bucks max (laughs) or a towel. Put a five dollar towel on the ground. It's so dumb. (laughs) That's fun. So Um, that was my I was so I could not stop thinking that like anytime it would flashback. I'm like, oh, my God, I hate this fucking bathroom. Like it's probably also and not to like keep staying in this bathroom. It's probably so fucking cold. Like probably. Are you kidding me? My nipples would pop off like that would not work well (laughs) at all. That would be so gross. God, rich people are so annoying. Okay. Yeah, truly. Truly. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes. I I also wanted to mention how important Alice's relationships with women are in this movie, which I never mm-hmm. really got into like watching until honestly, again, like redoing my notes, um, which I don't have a lot of because I mean, there wasn't a lo- <laughs> like, I mean, y'all know me. Usually I'll take like, you know, two pages at least. But like, I mean, I have a page and a half maybe for these movies, maybe. Yeah. 
it's probably more like a page anyways um but yeah her relationships with women where like she is instant like it feels like every dude that she meets she is instantly sus uh, like she's suspecting them of something and she's on guard with them but whenever it comes to like any of the women right like i feel like um like rain right she's like you know she's like okay well you're capable clearly like she doesn't really like doubt her i mean there's not like a lot of interaction with them until the end but she was trying to protect matt's sister right she's like cool i've got you just like you know i can get you out of here let's take this down together cool 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 even the red queen at the end like she tried to like reactivate her and like you know like there was like that whole exchange but like she's at every step like more willing to trust women than she is like men which i love and the only like i mean so many people fucking die in this right like and like presumably like this dude that she spent like so much time with as like her fake husband right but the only one that she cries for is rain and she just fucking met her right and i love that ex- that like exchange at the end where like she's literally gonna shoot like, her yeah, she where she's going to shoot her and then Rain's like, you know, cuz Rain said like, "Hey, if I start to go, like if I go, you fucking Take kill me. me. Don't even yeah. don't worry about it. Just you got to do me in." Just do yeah. it. Yeah. And so then she like nods off and like Alice thinks as it's happening, shows she like has the gun and she's ready to do it. And then Michelle Rodriguez is just like, "I ain't dead yet. Excuse she me." Like, and she snaps <laughs> the gun out of her hand and she's like, "I am not dead yet." Like, and then oh, okay. <laughs> Alice is like, "I could kiss you." Like and then yeah. like I could kiss you, you bitch. Like, "Oh my god." And this yeah. like the connection that they have through not having a lot of like interaction, like it any interaction outside of like being this whole hive situation like to me i was like oh i love this i love this Same. so much and well, also, she's go ahead oh no i was gonna say to that to that effect like the way <laughs> that um rain and alice literally are the only ones kind of like keeping anything grounded the yes. men are so silly and bad and like terrible under pressure like the one guy i mean obviously he just watched all of his friends die but like he's going in and he's like trembling he doesn't really know what to do and then even later in the other room it's like what's the code he's like um five four zero what is the code um zero three six you said it was five four it's yeah it is it's five four what's the fucking code give me a second and then it's just like you watch rain just like across the room like like she's literally like keeping the wave of zombies away from mm-hmm. them while they fumble trying to get this single code out of the way. And I mean, even in that same scene, um, what's his name? The bad guy? Spence. Spence. Um, He's still handcuffed, but he has the keys and he's like fumbling to try to get himself uncuffed and he ends up dropping the keys into a grate. Like it's these like <laughs> fumbly dumb boys and like Alice who is the most calm person and at every turn is like, oh no, I, I got this. Like, I'm fine. I can do this. And Rain, who argu- arguably is like, she's a little messy. She's a little bit like all over the place. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the military people, she's the most capable of them, um, of the soldiers. She's the one putting herself in front of everybody else. Yeah. At every point. And so she's like, she's literally just like sacrificing herself for the good of the team. Um, not saying she knows that like if she gets bit she's gonna turn i mean she finds out later and even then she's like oh well fuck well i'm gonna die so whatever um but again this just goes to like it's cool to see her and alice as being like the core group here i mean reluctantly followed by what's his name the 
the goofy Matt. guy who gets pulled out. Well, Matt, yes, but also the goofy, I can't remember the code, who gets pulled out of the train. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. You know, I mean, he, he does his best, but even then it's like. But it's really the two women that carry this movie. Yeah. And I really did want them to kiss. I wanted them to be girlfriends. I wanted Rain to make it out. Could and you I'm really imagine? sad that we didn't get that Ugh. because, like, can you imagine, like, <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez oh. and me, like, and that I is would... just the Resident Evil franchise? Like, a- a, oh I would God. die. B, for its time, I would probably have some issues just because I'm like, this feels so gross and like, not predatory, but like objectifying where it's like, oh yeah, the gun movie, let's have the girls fuck. Like, not just, like, you know, like, it just, it feels like it would be coming from a gross place. But three, my third point is I would have died. Like, I personally... <laughs> would have been like, this is insane, and I'm so into it. I mean, but, like, if we're talking about objectification, we're literally having me, like, we have Alice start and end the movie naked. So, I let's mean. Let's go. Yeah. Let's just her. do it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I think there is, like, a, a mutual, like, attraction and, like, a respect for each other. Like, because, again, they're the only people that they can really, like, rely on in this instance. So, even... She's even dependable when she's bitten by a zombie. You know what I mean? And like, uh, so anyways, yeah. I, I wanted them to be girlfriends, but you know, it's oh, okay. Oh, yay. Okay, cool. I was just looking it up because I was like, I don't want to assume anything. Um, I do think that Michelle Rodriguez is canonically bi, which is cool. Because I mean, yay. obviously I was always like, the, which is like a dumb assumption but like i was like oh i feel like she's gay and it's simply because of the expectation of like femme femme cis female like that binary is gross yeah. but i'm like oh she's like a hot queer and i'm like so into it um but she is apparently canonically bisexual so yes. um shout out to queer icon One michelle rodriguez she's great and so hot and so cool and i'm obsessed with her and i love that she so i think i said this off pod um but so michelle rodriguez loved the resident evil games so much that like she made her agent promise her i think it was like in the contract or something like that if there's ever a resident evil film that she is going to be in it and so i love that for her and i love that for us because then we got this wonderful performance from her but i think that's so fun Especially as, like, a young female gamer, like, always looking for other women gamers. I'm like, ah, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's fucking cool. But also, like, this movie doesn't really have a lot to do with, like, the... It has practically nothing to do with the Resident Evil games. Like, yeah. it, the script was written beforehand, and then Paul W.S. Anderson played the Resident Evil games and was like, oh, my God, I I need to change my script and just like kind of like reimagined his script as if it was um, the Resident Evil universe. So this is not true to the games. There's like definitely some like names that pop up and some like ideals and stuff. But like the next one is the one that is like very true to the games. And that's like, yeah what people wanted i guess i don't know but i like this i think it was dope um i did not understand there were several times where there are like a hundred zombies in this corridor and then the next scene where we've gone past a hundred zombies in that corridor where it's like we can't get out oh my god we're trapped and then Alice finds her way to the room and somehow like bypassed the hundred zombies in the corridor. There's so many of those moments where I'm like, I'm sorry, wait, 
what what how how did you even get out of there because you couldn't get out of this room because there were a hundred zombies in the corridor yeah um so that's really silly and really fun it's like what (laughs) she's a pro she's she's on it she's got it she's a pro (laughs) i really did just have one more thing to say actually Sorry. It's the song from the movie. Danny, I'm so sorry if I scared you with that. Um, I won't do, baby. Um, it's, it's a great song. And it's so dumb because it's a live video on the bonus feature. Uh, cut to uh, clips of the movie. And some of the clips are just so dumb because Slipknot just seems so silly. And I think that's part of the deal. It's like they're just so silly and I love it. Uh, some of like the posse guys who are percussionists technically, but like they're really just like the hype men of the group. Um, it's like one of the clowns is just like on like a barrel of drums that's spinning, and he's like on all fours as it spins, and he's just head banging. He's like he's not playing anything. He's just like, and it's so funny because it like I just <laughs> I always was just like man, I wish I could just be like a dumb hype man in like one of these groups. I don't know, whatever. I think Slipknot's cool. You could put cool. out a Craigslist ad. I'm sure that somebody would yeah, love a hype we, band. We, nobody plays instruments. We just come out and hype to a backtrack is the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Let's scoot on over to New Raccoon City. Yes. In the 1980s, Claire Redfield runs away from the Raccoon City orphanage, leaving her brother Chris behind, but decides to come back for him years later to warn him about the Umbrella Corporation's secret genetic experiments she learned about on the internet. Chris, who has a habit of not believing his sister, doesn't believe her and tells her to leave and goes back to work at the Raccoon City Police Department. However, Claire is certain her theory is correct after being attacked by zombies and goes after her brother. Meanwhile, the cops at RCPD are hard at work doing a lot of nothing unaffected by the contaminated water a group of cops including jill valentine wesker and chris go to investigate the disappearance of two other cops at a secluded mansion while raccoon city literally eats itself alive the cops at the mansion run into a whole lot of zombies while wesker follows directions from a mysterious palm pilot as it turns out underneath raccoon city the umbrella corporation was hiding a secret genetic research facility called the hive where they were researching ways to reanimate dead tissue through the t-virus which wesker intends to sell to his palm pilot benefactor eventually claire and leon join the party at the mansion only to find dr birkin his family and wesker in a messy situation Wesker takes off, Birkin is a mega zombie, and the group heads to the orphanage to take a secret train out of town. Birkin chases them, but there's a rocket launcher on this train, so they kill him and make it out in time. Okay, first and foremost, I would love to just shout out this soundtrack for being completely wild and off the rails, and I don't even know what's happening. Let's talk about it. And my favorite scene, the best scene of the entire movie... And I I hope that this is also, I mean, it might not be your favorite scene, but it's my favorite scene. I actually stopped the movie, rewound it, and made David come out because I was laughing so fucking hard at this, where Leon is just sitting there with his headphones at the desk for the police department, nodding off because he's just such a sleepy guy, right? And he's bumping a song 
so hard in his headphones that he does not notice a semi fall over in front of the police station, like crash and blow up and a man on fire walk into the police station like, he doesn't notice any of this. And do you know what song that is that he's bumping? It's just a little crush. He is me, bumping mommy, that so every time hard. We touch. Okay. Yeah. And look at that is a bop. I fucking love that song. But imagine, imagine just this man bumping this song so fucking loud through his non-noise canceling headphones that he does not like hear a literal explosion in front of his face yeah i mean that whole my favorite thing so i will also say this was my favorite sequence as well um we see the semi-truck driver from the uh one of the earlier scenes um him and his dog who are both now like zombified driving towards the police department steps like running into cars and you're hearing the song sort of building in the background uh he like turns the car crashes knocks over it explodes we're still seeing him behind the desk with literally the shittiest headphones. Like, you know, <laughs> like this cheapest plastic with the foam that does nothing. It, it, like, it's still like these plastic parts underneath the foam are still like piercing into your ears. Like, there's no pressure on your ears. You could hear the wind rustling between the ear and these headphones. Like, they're so bad. But he has them because they're the 90s vibe and he's like fast asleep while the semi explodes front door to the police department fully open right on the steps of the building and still asleep naturally. And you watch the truck driver just engulfed in flames walking through as that is just a little crush. And it's just, he's going and I I'm wrote, obsessed. I, I just <laughs> I did write camp. <laughs> <laughs> like this movie is so dumb um that is the dumbest like that is the silliest set like that song is what makes it because like if it was like a like a fucking rob zombie song or something i'd be like okay that's fine like that makes sense but the fact that it's just like this this smooth like yearning love song ooh, and he's just like literally like okay because all the levels to it it's like um, when you're burning with love, he's literally burning on fire, like blah 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 blah. And there's also like <laughs> the uh, unrequited love, like he's burning with passion. This other person doesn't even know he exists. Um, there's so many of these like little dumb layers to it, and that don't even really like aren't even really there. I'm just really just like spitballing. But it was a choice, and I back it. 100%. It was a choice, and it was a great choice. It really was. Also for me, the best scene of the movie. Without this scene, this movie is nothing. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of another scene that I thought was so funny, um, unre like just like I don't think it was supposed to intentionally be funny, but like maybe when they're um first at the diner and we're meeting that waitress who's like waiting on the cops and giving them the coffee, she comes back and starts talking to um what is that guy's name? This this young cop, the rookie? Leon. It's Leon. the same the same yes. one. The same headphones guy. So Leon is sitting there and talking to her. And she starts bleeding from one of her eyes. <laughs> and he's like, hey, uh, does that happen a lot? He's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and it's like, you should get that checked out. It's like, eh, whatever. But her, the way she like delivers these lines felt like a Kristen Wiig sketch. Like, <laughs> oh, it's just, it's like, you're literally bleeding from your eyes. Like, oh, it's nothing. Like, don't even worry about it. Like, what do you guys want? <laughs> like, it was so cute and funny. And I was like, 
is this movie funny? Like, that was actually pretty good. Like, is that where we're going with this? I like, mean, it has to be. Because yeah. this whole thing is, I mean, and I know that it's a nod to the video games, but like the zombie, our first real up close interaction with the zombies, like the neighbor looks at Claire and says, itchy tasty or itchy scratchy or something. Wait, what is it? I wrote it down. Uh, uh, video itchy game. Tasty. I, I, I know that it's in the video game. And that's yeah. like everything that I read about this is it is so much closer to the video game. This is the video game. This is the video game, which is great. But that, you know. It's silly. It's a it's silly movie. It's so silly. Um, and to be fully, fully honest, I will say, before I knew that it was a direct, like, trying to make the first video game, like, and there are certain sequences that are, like, And also the second video be, game, too, because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it so it's one and two. them all together. One and two. Yeah, because there's, like, the video game... I think one and two take place at the same time, but are different takes on what's happening around, oh, like, Raccoon right. City, right? Okay. Um, anyways. So I know that they're trying to also do some shot-for-shot sequences from the games, Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought were really cool. As somebody who doesn't have that knowledge, um, I will say there were certain moments into the movie because it was, I forget at what point, but Eric came down and was like, oh yeah, like how you like it? And I was like, it's kind of boring. Um, <laughs> like in general, I'm like, I'm actually like kind of bored. He's like, oh yeah, they're trying to do like the shot for shot video game. I was like, what? So I paused it and like did some research and found out like, yeah, in fact, like a lot of this stuff is just like, they're trying to pay homage to these uh early resident evil video games and after i knew that that kind of changed my perspective on it because i did think it was kind of boring until i knew that is that crazy is that wild no i mean i thought the same thing and that's why like everything was just so funny to me and having a little bit of knowledge about the games because again i never played it but like my ex-husband like this is like his favorite video game franchise and like Mm -hmm. i sat there and watched him play again all of like resident evil 4 and also 5 and like all this stuff but like i know enough about it to know like oh yeah they're they're 100 percent going for the video game right yeah like the piano thing the like all these things right yeah him looking at the 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 little palm pilot and like hitting the right notes on the yeah and what this reminds me of is so it's owned by Capcom. Capcom has deals with Sony. So I was like, okay, this is a video game like company that is making this movie, right? And it feels like, you know, when Disney tries to turn their animated films into live action or they try to turn a ride, like a, a like ride into Mansion. a movie. Yes, which or they are the doing a remake of The Haunted Mansion, by the way. Are they? So, now we get to do that for this podcast. Thank you, Disney. They just love us so much. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of what this reminded me of. Where I do think that video game movies can be done well. And in that, you have to make choices and you can't tell too much of a story. Because, like, video games are so expansive. Like, I mean, they're anywhere between like 20 and like 80 hours if you're a completionist like me. But, or like, you know, like 40 hours of like story content, right? So if you're going to break that down and distill that, and it's kind of like the same issue that like, trying to make a movie out of like you know a book series or something like a whole series like that becomes a little bit problematic like you know storytelling wise not problematic like oh that's like what a bad choice i mean sometimes yeah but yeah like but less I think messy just, more so just difficult <laughs> just difficult right because yeah. you have so many characters and you have so many scenes and so many things that you need to include and 
to me, I felt like the nostalgia really held this film back because I don't feel like we really got anything from anybody. Yeah, there we didn't no, get there anything. Was, like, as just a standard viewer looking at this movie as a standalone film, understanding that, like, yes, it's pulling from Resident Evil. I'm familiar with the IP, like, cool. Not knowing much about the games, it really zips through any scenes where, like, we need to start investing our time in these characters. Like, there was nothing that made me want to spend time with anybody here. Like, the brother's a cop. Boo. This girl, okay, like, she seems cool, but, like, what else? Like, tell us more about her. Let's spend some time with her. And, like, the whole time, my problem with their characterization of Claire is... She comes off as this crazy person that's like on the chat rooms in like 1998 when this like yeah. film takes place, right? Because um, of course it's a period piece, of course. So everything is like, oh well, you're unstable because you left. You first you grew up in an orphanage. Second, you left, and nobody believes you and everything. So now you're hitchhiking back to Raccoon City, okay? And you just know how to pick all leave of the like I don't know there was so so much where I was like okay I guess but like everybody is shitty to her nobody believes her and she's just like she's been fucked over by Dr. Birkin right and by Umbrella at large right and I don't think that they ever once like gave her like a real redeeming quality or gave her any sort of a personality like she literally is just this is all of my trauma and um, I I don't even know why she came back for her brother. Like I don't un- why would like you come after back to like being place? away for so long. Like even a phone call, something you know. Like, um, but like it, it makes her seem crazy. Where she's like, oh, this guy in this chat room said this. Look at this guy. It's it's so true. And she doesn't have like anything to back it up or anything. And I mean, nobody believed you back when you were saying like Lisa Trevor. Of course, nobody is going to believe you now. You know. And I really had a. <sighs> There's no hard depth. Time. Yeah, yeah. I had a really hard time for that exact reason. Like, because to me, I'm like, if this character wears her trauma on her sleeve, she is gullible and confident. Like, I'm down for a character that who's all of these things. But you have to give us, you have to make her a little bit more complex. Like, she can't be all of these things all the time, all at once with no variation of volume. Like, give her a little bit of a compassion give give her like a compassionate monologue or give her something to bring her down to then amplify back up and when we revisit these traumas we understand and can empathize because we know where it came from like we're with her like give us a reason to be with her and to trust her in the way that like her being kind of our our main character like in the way that we should with her like we're not like because obviously we're not empathizing with any of these cops it's not like we're like like she's obviously the lead she is Mm -hmm. the main character she's the outlier of all of this so it's like oh it's her story the misunderstood nerdy punk who's like coming like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you have to give us more and i feel like with every one of these characters we were given like just one tone of character and none of it was explored and that just was I mean, with anything with characters like that, it's going to be fucking boring. (laughs) Like even Jill. Jill is such a badass. Like she's so fucking. Again, I've been going on this like binge watch of all the other movies. And like, I know Jill in the games is a fucking badass. And in this one, like her badassery is that she just like 
she made the ketchup bottle get off the guy's head, right? Like, and yeah. I'm like, okay, but she's like so wrapped up in Wesker that like she isn't even like a real character until she like kind of breaks off from him to save Chris. And even then that's like, kind of like played off as like romantic right because like chris obviously has this big crush on her and we don't really get to see her be a fucking badass be the badass that i'm looking for with this character you know and i loved like i mean she looked beefy she looked like she could kick some fucking ass right so i'm like i'm here for this interpretation of jill because jill historically is um very 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 sexualized in the games so I was I was also really disappointed in that because I'm like, she's so strong. She's so cool. Just like just literally give us more like. But every woman was... is like tied to the men in this and yeah. like their whole character and mo- character motivation is tied to men. They're not doing anything for themselves. They're not like even doing anything for each other, really. And so it's like and all of these men are just making really shitty decisions. Yeah. And that's like the hardest part is like because when anything happened, like my biggest thing was like, why? Like, why did that happen? Like, who, what? Like, why? Like, because the just, video game. <laughs> I and I know, and that's what. I, and again, it wasn't until I had that context that I was like, oh, well, now some of this kind of makes sense. If we're looking at like a series of cutscenes from a video game, I'm like, oh, well, obviously there's going to be some context that's lost because these are cutscenes. Cool. And I mean, I will say some of them were excellent. Like some of the gameplay POV stuff, like with him and his lighter, like, and he'd light yeah. and you'd see a little bit and you'd see a face and it would disappear. Like, oh, I'm playing the fucking game. This is so scary. And like how exciting and how cool. And some of these zombies looked amazing. And I will say like, um, who was the, the skin person? Lisa Trevor. Lisa Trevor. So that whole opening sequence with like her, Staring. And I know, like, the, the, I'm so tired of, like, the deformity as, like, fear tactic shit. But, um, her whole, like, watching her sleep and then going upstairs and she's in the little tent and you, she says hello and, like, the light turns off in the tent. I was like, oh, this is nice and scary. Ooh, this is so scary. And then it's like, who are you? She's like, I'm this person. She's like, where do you live? She's like, below. You're like, ooh, yes. Like, this is such a good start. This is so scary fuck me yes. up give me and then even when she comes back like the moment she's just like kind of peeking and kind of there you're like this girl's got levels like bring her <laughs> like who is she yeah. like she's stealing the show <laughs> like give they set yeah. up this really interesting movie and i'm like oh cool and then like everything else except for that uh crush scene was a letdown <laughs> like yeah. after setting the bar so high i was like okay cool like it this really is, was this is cool and like I understand, I mean, do I understand it? The dad and his wife and daughter, like them having to escape, and then him getting the T virus for himself, and there was a standoff between him and the guy from Umbrella Academy. Um, <laughs> and like I don't know, I just the whole thing. I just like, and I it's understand. like, oh my god, you're gonna shoot the daughter? Like, and he's like, well, I wasn't actually gonna shoot her. Like, oh my god, it's, just, it's like I like. <sighs> It's a very confusing film. Confusing in the sense that, like, I don't know why we're watching it. Not, like, why we chose it, because I'm happy we we watch it. We're, like, maybe you and I are watching it. But, like, as a viewer, what... <laughs> this is going to sound so mean. What's the purpose? Like, what is the reason besides just pure, like, 
by the book's nostalgia. Like we are trying to be the cinematic equivalent of Resident Evil's one and two. Like this is the compendium film to Resident Evil's one and two, uh, which again, there's space for that. And I get the reason for it, but like, that's also it to me, at least it's downfall because there is no in for somebody who doesn't have that context from a, from a place that of, of like enjoyment or like understanding of what's happening. It's not, it's not a non Stan friendly film. Yeah. It's definitely, you have to have all of this context and, um, it's just kind of a nothing movie. Yeah, a little bit. At the end of the day, like I don't even have a lot to say about anybody or any of the choices or anything because like it felt so disjointed and it felt so choppy and it it just felt like we were watching a bunch of different stories and I didn't understand how they tied together and we didn't even get enough of each story to like make me give a shit about anybody. So yeah. like I'm like, okay, they died. Like the only reason I cared is because I'm like, oh, I know this name. <laughs> you know and yeah like, literally <laughs> oh i don't care okay yeah i don't yeah. care all right like yeah it's a, it's kind of just a big nothing which is i mean unfortunate i have fucking nothing for this movie same that's literally all i've got so We're uh back. Oh, Resident Evil, go. 2002. Okay, yes. let's start that over. Ready? Go, no, you go. No, wait, no, you, you start. You go first. You go. Wait, no, you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We back. We're, so We're back. back. We're so back. 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 Okay. Eric. Yes. Resident Evil, 2002. Uh-huh. Who was this movie for? I want to just say queer people, especially bisexual lesbians everywhere. Um, this is the Mila jo- or the 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 Michelle Rodriguez awakening. Like this was the dawn of the glory that is Michelle Rodriguez in any role she's ever been in. This is it. This is the awakening. She's so hot. This was her movie. I mean, granted, Mila's movie as well. Like she was a star and like queen. But I'm gonna personally say this was for the Michelle Rodriguez hive. One hundred percent. Who did you think it was for? I was also going to say Michelle Rodriguez because I think it was for her, like, you know, for her because she wanted to be in this so bad that she put it in her fucking contract. But also um, for us, for um, just like, hello, Michelle, enter Michelle, this is it. And for me, um, I think I watched this before I watched Fifth Element. Um, Mm. Maybe I did watch this movie like when I was a kid. You know what? I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of movies um <laughs> but it was also for mila it was for the girls this movie was for the girls it was for the girlies uh did you like it i did i really like it um it's kind of a dumb bad movie in general but in a way that's like still satisfying and fun um and there's nothing like objectively awful about it it literally is what it says it is it's like a slash up zombie with a ton of guns lot of gore um some hotties that's like at the end of the day that's really what it is and i still think it stands up um again still kind of a dumb bad movie but i still really like it do you like it i love this movie it is so camp and so fun and so cute and of course i'm watching all of the rest right now so of course (laughs) i liked it of course this like 
hit perfectly because like I've, I've been so busy lately I haven't like really had time to like really like and I'm in between shows too and everything so I'm just like not really wanting to get too invested in anything and it's just like this hit me like this episode came up at the perfect time where I'm like just like yes yeah <laughs> so it's it's great for me for me it's <laughs> great how about Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City 2021. Eric, was this new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive? Where are you falling on this spectrum? I think it was new and interesting because it tried to do the thing that I feel like Resident Evil fans wanted, which was a movie about Resident Evil that is dedicated to the game itself. So in that case, it was new and interesting. But as far as like it being progressive or regressive... I think it was regressive in literally every sense. Like the character development was not there. It stuck too hard to the nostalgia aspect of trying to be the game, the movie. I don't know. It just, it lost everything for me. I don't think there was anything about it that felt progressive at all. It felt very just like an older, badder version of a thing that already existed, but it's a little bit closer to the game. So bing, bang, boom. Um, what do you think? I'm going to say that this was new, but it was not interesting. Ooh. And it was not the same as the first one, but it was the same as like the, I mean, I guess we're not reviewing the video games, but so yeah, it was new um, and regressive. Absolutely. In so many ways, I think it's just, it's camp that's taking itself too seriously because it's trying to stick too closely to like a source material and again like trying to jam like 80 hours worth of content into just a tight 90 minutes <laughs> so yeah um that never works that doesn't ever work and if you're gonna do this why not just do the first video game right and then do the second video game because i guarantee you that people would have done that right like you had options. This is what you did. And n you have to sit in the bed that you made. Yeah. Yeah. So who is this for? Um, fans of the video game. It's literally for the fans of the Resident Evil video games. Um, <laughs> there's never been a more straightforward question. It's literally what it was made for. That fandom. Who do you think it was for? I think it was absolutely for gamers. It was for gamers and... Yeah. Um, I don't know that I don't know if we're all buying it, man. I don't yeah. I don't know if we needed this. Like as a gamer, as as somebody that just just loves IPs so much, if you're going to make a a movie about something, either do it really fucking interesting or give it a big ass budget. And I feel like whenever people try to adapt video games into film or into TV, it's always really hard. It's always a struggle and nobody ever really does it right or does it justice to me as a fan of the video game. Right. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of work to be done in this space and I'm excited for somebody to finally crack the formula or I don't know what's, I don't know why and why this happens, but I'm, I'm ready for something good. Yeah. I'm ready for it. So um, The Last of Us TV show that's coming out, I'm hoping that that's good. Is that Pedro Pascal? Yes. Okay. Famous daddy, Pedro Pascal. Yes. Murder daddy extraordinary. Oh, my God. Um, did you like this? 
no, not really. It has its moments, but as a whole, I thought it was uh, pretty, pretty boring. How about you? Did you like it? Oh my God, it was so boring. All I could do was just laugh because like, I know that these moments are supposed to be big moments or big reveals. And it's just, everything was just so funny because it was just so, it was just a choice that, yeah. that, but that scene, the, the, the crush scene will live on forever in my memory. <laughs> it's a great, it is like such a good moment. Forever. It's so funny. It's so cute. It's so good um anyways i think that's it wow look at us congrats us go us awesome well thank you so much everybody for listening we love you so much and uh thank you all for being here and while we have you please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast because it means a lot to us also follow us on social media we're everywhere nostalgia.pod nostalgia underscore pod very cute very chic very now follow us because we're great and you'll you'll literally love it and us even more and possibly us even. yeah oh my gosh <laughs> um our artwork and music is by eric lefebri editing is by danny barkley and thank you again for listening and uh thank you eric thank you jess and remember stay cute and stay critical goodbye Bye. for now ta-ta for now ttfn This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. Avatar The Last Airbender is more than just a show. It's a conversation of growth. Of trauma. Of culture. Of intention. And of change. The Momos and the Appas is a weekly conversational podcast from the Nostalgia Network dedicated to discussing the Avatar universe as folklore, episode by episode. I'm Eric Lefebri. I'm Dr. Amber Jones. And I'm Jessica Tercero. Join us weekly as we dig into all things Avatar and Korra, including Uncle Iroh's hot bod versus his war criminal history. Avatar Aang's well-meaning cultural revisionism versus Zuko's performance of toxic masculinity. How ultimately Katara is the savior and the hero of the story. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.